Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Deandra Brooks. Many of our storytellers have given birth within the last 10 to 15 years, so it's always great to hear stories earlier than that. Deidre gave birth in 1989 and shares that her experience shows that we are blessed even when we don't see it in the moment. There's always humor somewhere. That is what I find in reflecting on my story. Listening to the stats and stories about negative outcomes for Black women makes this clear to me. So hello, Deidre. Welcome to the show. Thank you, ladies, for having me. Yay. We are two geeks. But before we get into it, can you first tell us um, a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. My name is Deidre Brooks. I am a single. I used to be a single parent. Now I am a parent that is single. I have one son. He is my favorite child. And even if I had another child, I never thought that I could love another as much as I love him. And that's pretty much it. It's he and I, me and him, just us. You that know, is just beautiful, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. I always people were like, "Are you going to have another kid?" And I was like, "No, I don't think I could love another kid. The second kid would just be like, Mom, what's what's up with that?'" And people tell me, "You think that." all the way up until you have a second or a third or a fourth child. And then all of a sudden, God just pours all this love in your heart for this other child. I couldn't take that chance. I stopped at one and done. Follow your heart, follow your intuition, do what feels right for you. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy with your one and only? <laughs> yes, so... Where do I begin? I went to the doctor several times because something was clearly wrong. I took a pregnancy test from the grocery store, negative. Something was still wrong. I went to the clinic, I took a pregnancy test, still negative. Something was clearly wrong. Finally, I went to the doctor and I said, hey, something's wrong. She said, oh, well, let's do another pregnancy test. I said, okay, but if this test comes back negative, you have to start looking for, my mind went to things like cancer, leukemia, something's wrong because I had not had a period in like five or six months. Lo and behold, I took the pregnancy test. I'm on the phone with my then boyfriend we're chatting and then call waiting came in. I said, hey, hold on, there's another call. I answered the phone and a nurse says in her most exuberant and cheery voice, Ms. Brooks, I'm calling to tell you the results of your pregnancy test. Me, I said, oh good, so I'm not pregnant then, right? Silence. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry, um, I said, hey, you know what? Yeah, it's okay. I figured that I was probably pregnant, but you might want to watch your delivery in the future. Have a good day. So I had actually been about four or five, five or six months pregnant, not even knowing that I had conceived. 
um, the good part was I could really appreciate my hips and my bust getting bigger while my waist didn't get bigger. But I just, you know, maybe because I didn't know I was pregnant, I could really enjoy that. It was like a, a win for me. Um, it was pretty unremarkable. I was all belly. Went to the doctor. You're not gaining weight. Are you eating? Yes, I'm eating. What are you eating? It seemed pretty normal to me. Um, I was young. I was in my 20s, early 20s, maybe 20. I try not to think about it because now I'm 52. But I thought my diet was acceptable. I didn't eat a lot of junk food. I worked at McDonald's. I went from Big Macs to cheeseburger pickle only. In the morning, if I worked the morning shift, I would eat three chicken McNuggets and a box of milk out of the freezer. And I had to get the chicken McNuggets as soon as they came out of the grease because if they sat there for like a minute, I didn't want them. She encouraged me to eat some more, but I tried to eat more. But as my pregnancy progressed, of course, my stomach got smaller. It got squished and there was no room. I was literally down to two bites of food every two hours because I just had no room for food. Barring that, it was a little interesting. I used to catch the bus. The bus stop was right at the corner across the street from the apartment complex that I lived in. And our building was all the way in the back. I knew what time the bus was coming. I knew what time I had to be at the bus stop. I knew what time I had to get to work. That did not prevent me from doing the overdick around and run flying out the door every morning. Belly, eight months pregnant. I'm booking it to the bus stop. One day my coat is open. I run across the street, the bus driver is looking at me through the window like, woman, are you crazy? I get on the bus, I pay my fare. He goes, are you pregnant? And I go, yeah. He goes, go sit down. So when I go to get off the bus for my connecting bus, he opens the door and he says, I'll be waiting for you tomorrow. I didn't know what that meant. So the next morning I did the same thing, woke up, got dressed, did the overdick around, ended up running out of the door to catch the bus. And the bus is waiting for me. So he actually showed up early. I get on the bus and people are giving me the evil eye. And then I look at them and I put my hands on my hips. And when I do that, that pushes my stomach out. And they go, oh my God, you're pregnant. And I look down and I go, oh my God, I'm pregnant. I'm like, yeah. So everybody on the bus is like, don't worry about it, we'll wait for you. I cannot tell you I remember not running for the bus flat out after that. But I'm sure that I did continue to get evil looks in response to that behavior. The worst thing for me about my pregnancy was I was just tired of being pregnant. 
the morning sickness had passed. I gained negative weight. My hair grew like crazy. Like that was a benefit too. I was really feeling that. But I was just tired. I wanted my body back. I went to the doctor a week before I delivered. And she says, oh, you've dilated two centimeters. We're going to have a baby any day now. Yeah, but nah. Another week passed. I went back to her because I was at my visit every week. And she says, oh, you're going backwards. You're only dilated one centimeter. And I'm like, really? Just to make a bad day on top of some bad news. I left the office, I walked outside of the clinic and I saw my bus go by. I was so upset. I ended up walking about five miles that day. I don't remember it being cold. I just remember walking and being upset about not progressing through labor, still being pregnant and missing my connecting bus. That night I went home and went to bed at some point and proceeded to pee the bed. So I called my best friend, Monica, and I said, hey, Monica. She goes, yeah, what are you doing? I'm busy. Cause she already had an 18 month old. I said, you know, I have a question. And she was like, what, what, I'm busy. What do you want? I just peed the bed. She screamed, you're in ladybird. You're in, that was your water breaking. I can't come get you. We need to call somebody. Who can you call? I said, hold on, let me call my friend. So I called my friend, Stephen from high school. I said, hey, what are you doing? He's like, I'm tired. I don't have time for this. I'm getting ready to go to bed. What do you want? Then my best friend jumps in because it's the three-way call. You need to go get my friend. She's in labor. He was like, what? You, why didn't you say that? I said, well, I was, hello, hello. He was gone. So she stayed on the phone with me until he showed up. Crazy ride to the hospital. He ran every red light. Every time he would ask me a question, I would have a contraction. Answer me, answer me. I need you to talk to me. And then the contraction would pass and I would go to answer his question. And what would he say? Be quiet. Pregnant women just need to be quiet. Just be quiet and sit in that seat. I'm like, but we're running. It's like, shut up. Just be quiet. Just sit there until we get to the hospital. So we made it to the hospital in one piece. No accidents, no tickets. He walks me into the emergency room. The nurse looks up. And then he starts in with her. She's in labor. You need to take her. Call the doctor. Some You got to do something. She looks at me and I'm just looking at her like, I cannot do anything about this person with me. We're just going to ride this out. She's like, no problem. Here, sit her in this chair. She starts asking me the same questions that they ask every woman that's in labor. He starts going in on her again. Don't you see, she, you need to take her. She can't talk to you. She's in labor. I'm just sitting there breathing. 
She's looking at me like she wants to choke him out, but she's used to it. She said, hey, where'd you park? You need to go move your car, sir. So while he left to move the car, we finished and she got me out of the emergency room and up to the maternity ward so I could have my son. Finally, my friend shows up. He's looking distraught. I'm in there with the nurse. We're progressing through labor. At some point, I think he should have fainted because he had that look on his face like, okay, this isn't going well for him, not for me. I was, I was cool. Um, he held my hand trying to be helpful. And that worked until my mom showed up. And then I, I remember throwing his hand away and reaching for my mother. Uh, labor was, I was a lazy laborer. The doctor said that I could have had my son. At some point, he said two hours ago. So I was arguing with him. And labor, you don't know what it is. You don't know what you're supposed to do. It's like anything else. Yeah, your body's going to do what it does. But when they say push, I equate that kind of to singing from your diaphragm or learning to ride a bicycle. You, when you feel it, when it feels what it's supposed to feel like, you know in that moment. I can tell you whatever I want to tell you to prepare you for it, but once you feel it, it's really true. Once you do it, once you feel it, you know. So he kept saying, I was pushing from my neck. You're pushing from your neck. I was like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. So we had a brief argument. When he left the room, the nurse laughed because she said that if I did not tell him how I felt, I definitely showed him. And she proceeded to clean up the table that I was laying on. Finally, I went into the last stages of labor, I was fully dilated. They moved me into the birthing room. I think it was like a, just an operating room. And I think I pushed two more times. My mom was there. She almost missed it because they had to get her in the PPE. She runs in and my son's head has already crowned. And the doctor goes, here the baby comes, here the baby comes, it's a, and for two seconds, I thought, it's a girl. And then I said, nah, it's a boy. And he said, it's a boy. And I said, yeah, I knew that. Like, literally, I said, yeah, I knew that. So he brought the baby up, put my son on my chest. And if I don't remember anything else about the whole thing culminating into this great moment, I remember looking at my mom and my mom looking at me and it felt like a Hallmark moment and a Kodak moment and cotton candy and unicorns and I was like, mommy. And she's looking at me like, oh, baby. And then the reality of it came in and I said, you have to get this wet kid off of my chest, go and clean him up and bring him back to me. And 
and I had been up 24 hours and I was just wide awake and waiting to be reunited with him because they didn't bring him back immediately. I was in my room because they took me to, to my room and my mom came in and we kept asking, where's the baby? Well, where's my son? Well, where's the baby? Well, where's my son? Oh, we have him under the lamp because we wanted to bring his body temperature up. And I'm like, yeah, nah, I need my baby. Well, he's a little jaundiced, so we want to make sure. I said, well, was his APGAR score good? Well, yeah. And I guess it's one of those things that I, don't, I guess they didn't expect me to know for whatever reason, because I was young, because I was black, because I was a first, a young mother. It was my first baby. I don't know. But they were like, no, yeah, the APGAR score is good. I'm like, okay. Well, we'll bring him any minute now. Any minute now turned into 45 minutes. My mom had to leave because she, one, had to go to work, and two, she had to tell the people on the bus that I had had the baby so they, you know, would know why I wasn't at the bus stop anymore. My midwife walked in. And her name was Nurse Khan. And I have no idea where Nurse Khan is right now or how I could find her. But she's one of the people, as I've gotten older, that I would love to go back and say, hey, you were really impactful and a positive influence in my life because she checked on me. She made sure that I had everything I needed. During my pregnancy, she made sure that I was signed up for WIC. She was not going to have it be said that she didn't make sure that I had food, whether or not my weight showed that I was eating. She was just like the bomb.com. And I didn't even know then that midwives worked at hospitals. And she was part of the healthcare system that I was utilizing at that time. And she walked in and she says, Deidre. And I go, Nurse Khan. She goes, you didn't wait for me? And I said, I don't know why they didn't call you. And she said, I don't know, but they should have called me. Where's the baby? I heard you had a boy. I said, yeah, no, I don't know. She's like, you don't know. I said, he's not here. Well, where's he at? I said, I don't know. She said, well, he needs to be with his mother. And she turned around and she walked right out of the room. And she comes back with my son. And they had a conversation and she talked to me while she was holding him. And she held him out to me. I took him. The option I chose was to breastfeed. And he just wouldn't latch on. And I get it, you know, just living my life some days I come back to my flat and I'm tired birth is hard it's hard on a mother and it's hard on a newborn so I said well maybe he just you know he needs a nap but we'll just keep him here she came back to check on me maybe an hour later to see if he would latch on he still didn't latch on she said no problem this was the beginning of Let's um, kick these women, these new mothers out of the hospital within 24 hours. 
she used the fact that I was a young mother, that I was breastfeeding and that he hadn't latched on to get me three days in the hospital. So I'm probably the last of the women who had three day visits in the hospital. He finally latched on and we just hung out in that comfortable, adjustable hospital bed. I wanted to take one home with me, but they frowned upon that. Uh, we left with one of those timeless, who knew it would be a fashion statement, timeless baby blankets with the little turquoise and the fuchsia stripes on them. And we began our life as mother and son. Another person that I remember being not influential, but making me really believe that I was cared for and that I mattered as a person was the visiting nurse. And she came, checked my son's weight, probably measured him, asked about his sleeping habits, asked how much he was eating, eating which I was tracking, asked how I was doing. I don't even remember that woman's name, but I was just really comforted by how she handled me and what she said to me in those moments when I was not in that moment, when I was feeling like it was just going to be incredibly impossible for me to do and be and provide for my son. Up until this COVID season, I thought every mother-to-be had a wonderful, drama-free, respected pregnancy story. I have read and learned they all have not be they single or married. I had heard of midwives, but didn't think they worked in hospitals until I met mine. I guess I just got lucky to get her. A lot of women are now utilizing doulas, trained companions who are not healthcare professionals and who support another individual through a significant health-related experience, such as childbirth. That is what NurseCon was for me while also being my healthcare professional. Because she wasn't there when I actually went into labor and through childbirth, I guess that kind of makes her not a doula. But NurseCon, she was the plug before the plug was a doula. Today, my son is very much an adult. I'm not yet a grandmother, but one day he may decide to have a child. If he does, I hope that I am close by to advocate for my grandchild in utero and his parents. If that isn't possible, I will recommend and help them to get a doula. At the very least, every mother that looks like me deserves the care that my son and I received while under the care of Nurse Khan. That's it. That's it. And you know what? Um, this I'm, I'm thinking of your experience in 1989 and women's experiences now in, in you know, in 2020, like it has everything to do with who shows up for you that day, right? Um, and even if that's the same person feeling or going through something different, right? So when we say well, who shows up for you today um, and the culture of the space that you're birthing in, right? Um, 
because every woman does deserve that type of support. And why can't that be the standard of care for everyone? You know, again, it was all serendipitous for me. Things just really fell into place because, you know, as, as you said, for who showed up that day? Who did I happen to get when I showed up for my first um, maternity appointment? But as I've gotten older, and not even just as I've gotten older, but as I moved through the parenthood and getting what I needed, not only for myself, but what my son needed, make some noise. You know, if you feel like you need something, say that you need it, ask questions. The internet is a resource. You can find out things. And if I know nothing else, you can go to the same place, resource, organization sometimes, get three different people and get three different answers. But don't stop trying to get what it is that you deserve to have a safe and healthy pregnancy. (laughs) I mean, that's... (laughs) Thank so y'all you. gonna make me cry because y'all not gonna be my new best friend. Listen, we trying to be every. <laughs> Danny and I are really good at being like, listen, we just wanna be y'all's friends. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank Thanks you for letting me hang out with you ladies and your family. Oh, our no, pleasure. Thank you. thank you. Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com. 